Anthony, I think this is actually brilliant because when it comes to terms of service on Amazon that are kind of gray, people are not sure, it's not clear. This actually gives everyone listening a guide. When you have terms of service and you're wondering, hmm, is this going to break it or not? Is it kind of on the edge? Is it kind of gray? What do I do? Ask a simple question. Am I putting the customer first? Am I adding value to the customer? Am I putting at risk the chance of a customer being upset at Amazon or at my business? You're listening to the Kniep and It Real Jodcast. This is your host, Seth Kniep. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to talk about one of the most important things you need to understand when it comes to converting your Amazon listing. And this is not just relevant to Amazon. This is relevant to Shopify, any e-commerce website, eBay, uh, Jet, Walmart.com. There is one piece on your listing that's going to have a huge impact on its ability to convert. In fact, this one thing we're going to talk about is the difference of tens of millions for online sellers, and that is probably an understatement. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you today, Anthony Cofrancesco. Anthony, thank you so much for being on the Keeping It Real Jodcast. Seth, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Really excited to drop some good value today. The last time I saw you, we were in a country on the other side of the world, Prague. And the world was shutting down and the airports were closing. And I was wondering if I'm going to be able to get back to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy year. I remember that well. Uh, I live full time in Manila in the Philippines. And uh, I was traveling from that conference to another conference in Vegas. And I thought I would just be able to go to Vegas and make it back to the Philippines. And obviously, that's not what's happened. So I'm here in the East Coast of the United States. Actually, in my hometown, I haven't been back this long since high school. So it's oh, been wow. fun to see the family, but uh, also miss my Manila family for sure. <laughs> it's kind of cool. You and I are here talking about being in Prague, being in Manila, being on the East Coast, me, I'm in Austin. It just shows the world we live in where in spite of COVID-19, the ability to live pretty much from wherever you want when you have a good income, a good cash flow, or a business that is not dependent on a physical location, it's kind of a phenomenal concept. Like who would have t- spoken like this 20 years ago? I feel super fortunate. Uh, you know, PicFu has been remote ever since the company has been around, but every day I, I feel so blessed that I can just, you know, make money and, and work from home. And, and it's just such a big blessing for sure. And you know, what's cool about what we're about to discuss everyone is PicFu helped a brand to go from 2 million to 20 million using their tool. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's P-I-C-K-F-U.com. And I have to share this. This is like one of the few times where this is actually the case. I am an affiliate (laughs) and I'm a proud affiliate. So thank you so much, Anthony. So I'm going to ask you, well, actually, let me me just let the cat out of the bag. Today, we're going to talk about 3D images. And Anthony is going to give you guys a ridiculous amount of content. And even for those of you guys who can't see it physically, visually, you can still hear, he'll be explaining the steps that you can take right now to make your listing more optimized. So take it away, Anthony. 
All right, I'm really excited. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start sharing my screen. This is something I'm super excited about and really passionate about. Today, we're gonna to be talking about 3D renders and kind of the best practices for 3D renders. Um, this is something that not a lot of people talk about in the Amazon community. It's uh, it's only just been recently that the technology has really gotten to the point. Uh, that it actually has some practical applications for e-commerce. So I'm going to run through this, Seth. And if you have questions or if you have feedback throughout, feel free to feel free to stop me and, and we'll go from there. So you got it. Um, just a real quick, I like to give a little bit of a background. The other thing I will say is if you are listening to this, this is going to be a really visual presentation. So if you're listening and you're like, this sounds interesting, it's even more interesting when you watch it. So I would definitely recommend checking it out later, you know, visually, because there's a lot of good slides here. So real quick about myself, like I like to introduce myself just to just to help give a little bit of context and background. So my name is Anthony Cofrancesco. I'm a proud college dropout. I went to the University of Florida for about three years before stopping to go to class and got the entrepreneurial bug. I'm 26 years old. I visited at this point 53 countries and I live normally full time in Manila, Philippines. But because of COVID, I am in Maryland on the East Coast of the United States. So a little bit about my background is I used to actually work for Amazon. I worked there for about a year out of a fulfillment center in Houston and then also in Tampa. And I was on the operations management team, specifically in loss prevention. So doing a lot of things like inventory tracking. I even got trained on how to interrogate people, which was kind of fun for doing theft investigations. Nice. Um, but after working there for about a year, a really good friend of mine that I had met at the entrepreneurship club at the University of Florida, he gives me a call and says, hey, I've got this creative agency called Virtuous Graphics. It's out in the Philippines. Why don't you quit your job at Amazon, move to the Philippines and help me scale this company? Hmm. So I said, this is crazy. But uh, I knew if I didn't do it, I'd end up regretting it forever. So I left my job uh, at Amazon, moved to the Philippines, and we were able to scale that company to more than 20, 20 full-time creative workers. And we sold that business back in uh, September of 2019. So Anthony, when you, when you look at your life before you left working for Amazon as an employee and then scaling this company and now today working with PickFu, what is just real briefly in a couple of sentences, what has the difference been like? Because a lot of people are terrified at that concept. It's, it's really just about freedom. You know, I really enjoyed my job at Amazon. I really liked Amazon as a company, but where it really hit for me is I'm a big traveler. And uh, what it really hit for me is I was, uh, it was around, you know, early Q1, I was coming back. I had traveled. I had taken a trip to Egypt that year. I had taken a trip to Bali with my girlfriend and I was flying back on the plane. And I remember thinking, shit, like, I'm not going to be able to take another vacation for another maybe six or nine months until I accumulated enough PTO. Yeah. And so it sounds like a really small thing, but just like we were talking about earlier, to be able to just say, hey, I can go and live anywhere in the world. I mean, it's something that once I could never, ever go back to not working remote or at least not making an income online. It would just never, never, never would do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, we, we built virtuous graphics over a period of about two years and we actually were able to build it to the point of selling it to a private equity company in 2019. So made a little bit of money, but not enough money to never work again. So, uh, <laughs> pick was a company that I was really passionate about. I actually met the founders, Justin and John at a, at a conference in Las Vegas, and we had actually integrated pick into our service offerings. And so I, uh, I pitched them and said, hey, I think PicFu is the coolest tool ever. And it was at that point really a, 
a, a really well-known secret inside of the advanced sellers. But I said, I think this is something that everyone needs to be using on their business and really does make a big impact. So I've been working with them since March as their industry liaison and really just doing as much as I can. I'm very fortunate that my only job is to help support sellers and you know do case studies and help out with, with getting this into more sellers' hands. So um, a little bit of the agenda that I'll be covering for the talk today is I'm going to start with an overall framework of like, what is 3D rendering? Why should you care as a seller? I'm going to move into strategies and then wrap up with concepts. So framework, again, is to really help you understand what is this thing that we're talking about. Strategies are things that you most likely want to implement into your business. And for some people and for some products, this is something you're really going to want to think about. And then the concepts are just kind of future thinking. These are things that should inspire you, maybe not direct applications for everyone's business, but to help you kind of think about where the potential in this technology is. The other thing I'll say as well is, again, my job here at PicFu, I'm really fortunate. I get to spend almost all my time researching, building these presentations and working with sellers. So if you have a question, if you're like, you know, not even just about PicFu, but about 3D renders or about listings. Like I've seen hundreds and hundreds of listings uh, from my time at Virtus Graphics and really know a lot about conversion rate optimization. So hit me up, anthony at picfu.com. So with that being said, let's jump in and get into the essential framework. So the first thing that I like to start with is that 3D rendering technology has really come a long way. So back in the 1970s, you can see the example here, they were really just starting to get to the point of being able to make uh, non-geometric objects. So actually things that looked a little bit more lifelike, but you can see how quickly the technology progressed even into the early 2000s. But then you can see in the image here going from 2000 uh, to 2002, a lot more definition, still nothing that we would call lifelike, but definitely a lot of progression just in the past you know, 30, 40 years. The progression yeah. is staggering, actually. And for those of you guys listening, the picture from 2000 is a picture of a woman, uh, a burnette, brown-haired woman. And then the one for 2002, very similar picture, but it, it's astounding. Even looking at her, her jawbone and her cheeks, you can tell the first one looks flat. The second one looks like it actually has depth. Right, exactly. And so... You know, if, if you're looking at this, you might say, okay, well, that's cool. I play video games. I, I know that we can make rendered images. And that's really the thought that actually a lot of people have when we talk about 3D renderings for e-commerce. They think about like something we have up on the screen here, which is a water filter. And it, it looks okay, but it doesn't really look real. You know, you know, it's fake. And so this is kind of the whole point of this presentation is to show you that there's good 3D rendering, there's amazing 3D rendering, but then there's also bad 3D rendering. Hmm. So the news, though, is that 3D rendering really has come a long way. So if you're seeing the image that we have on the screen right now, it's this really beautiful rendering of a rowing machine that you're going to use for workout, yeah. for working out. And it looks really clean. It looks really crisp. Yes, you can tell it's a digital rendering, but as we're going to show in just a minute, sometimes these renderings actually can perform better yes. than real life photos. So the first question that I like to cover is kind of the elephant in the room, the big question, and that is, how do potential customers feel about 3D renders? So one of the things, one of the really cool things about working with PicFu is we have, I have a pretty much unlimited access to our panel. And so one of the things I wanted to do is to ask 200 real Amazon Prime members, what did they think about 3D renders? And the results came in and they hated it hmm. in theory, right? And so what they said is when we asked the people, hey, what do you, what do you think about 
if a seller was selling a product using 3D renders versus a real image. And most people would say that they didn't like it, that they were curious and concerned about if it was real. They didn't want to see 3D renders. They trust, you know, they had issues with trust and yeah. with quality, as well as all of these other adjectives that they used to describe the product. And I'm guessing, but, Anthony, that's because, you know, if you were to ask me that and I knew nothing about photography or 3D renders, then my response might be, well, it's fake. It's not real. It's not an actual picture. So you can make it look better than it actually is. Exactly. Exactly correct. And as well, they've also probably come across examples on Amazon and off Amazon of just really poor quality 3D renders. Which is how they knew but, it was a 3D render, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly <laughs> right. Because a good 3D it render is not going to make you consciously think, oh, that's fake, you know? Exactly right. And and so that's why I like to put in parentheses, they hated it in theory, because when we actually went back and would test really high quality 3D renders against actual images, or we'd put up things that they weren't, that we didn't tell them explicitly were 3D renders, right. the, the, the ratings would be really high. And so we're going to walk through some of the examples. We're going to give a bunch of examples today, but with this water gun and with this macro lens cover, smartphone attachment, I mean, these things look really good. They look really clean. They do. And so the really interesting part was, is when we would actually show images, whether they were standalone images or photo manipulated lifestyle images, that 3D renders actually would get really good responses. So for this crazy cat lady mug, we were able to get 4.3 uh, stars in terms of people's feedback. And people were saying they love the focus. They're looking at the cat. It looks beautiful. It looks aspirational. Hmm. Um, in fact, even of the 50 people in this image for this best dad ever mug that we were surveying, uh, people, they, we only got one negative comment and the person was saying good scene, but maybe not so realistic in detail. Hmm. And you might be wondering, okay, but the 4.3 stars, you know, what were the other bad ratings? And the ratings actually weren't at all about the mug being a 3D render. People yeah. really couldn't tell. They were actually saying that the scene itself is a little bit cheesy. Right. Like it's um, almost, or, it, and just for the people listening, it, it's a, it looks like a father and a son, they're eating breakfast together. Um, and they're smiling and it looks a little posed like, oh, I love you. I love you, dad. Like almost too good to be true ish. So I get that, but they're judging the characters. They're not really judging the 3D. Right. And, and I thought that was pretty telling of, of the whole thing, right? Is that they're actually looking much more at the image right. and right down here, exactly to your point, Seth, is they're saying eating breakfast together is kind of a cliche, <laughs> right? So they actually just don't like the image, but they don't even tell that the mug is, this is not real, right? This is a three-dimensional render. So interesting. And so we were able to even prove this further, like with the earlier rowing example, uh, option A on the left-hand side is a 3D render. Option B is the exact same product but it is a actual photo, hmm. right? And so we're able to do this time and time again with getting almost identical, if not 3D rendering, outperforming uh, an actual image. Um, up here on the screen as well, we've got this example of this children's unicorn slime kit, right? And on the left-hand side, this is a real photo, but option B, even though it looks, you know, what some people might say fake, if you're looking at option B versus option A, and you're thinking about something like a metric, like click-through rate, mm -hmm. right? What's going to get your attention? What's going to stand out more? And something about, and what we're going to talk about today is that kind of the essence of what makes 3D rendering so powerful is even though your brain knows it's fake, it looks so perfect that you actually tend to prefer it. That's really interesting. And I just want to add a comment real quick for everyone listening as well as watching. So 3D renders, for those of you guys who have no experience in this at all, it's an alternate version of a photo. Like it, it's not an actual real photo is a generated photo, usually from a photo, but it makes the product look absolutely amazing. 
And that's the idea here is the question, the, the, if this was a court case, as Anthony puts forward the evidence, is do 3D renders actually perform better? Will they get you more sales? So by the end of this presentation, you're going to understand how that works, what that looks like. And the beauty of it is what PicFu can do for you behind the scenes to test, do people actually like your particular 3D? Back to you, man. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that brings us again back to what, what I would say is the key takeaway of this presentation. And really, it's if your 3D renders look as good or better than product photography, 3D renders are actually something you should at least explore. Again, it's not saying you should definitely use 3D renders, but it's something you should most likely look into. The next big question that I like to pose is, I think we're past the point of realizing that, okay, if a 3D render looks better than the product, customers are going to prefer it. So the next big question is, what does Amazon think? What does Amazon feel? What is the What are the TOS implications of a 3D render? And so Amazon is pretty clear, right? They're telling you that you need professional photography and that drawing or illustrations of the product are not allowed. But that comes with a caveat as well. And I can tell you this from firsthand experience working at Amazon. Amazon's goal at the end of the day when they write this terms of service is they want to write terms of service that cover all of the millions and millions and millions of products that they sell on their platform. And you have to remember that Amazon's number one goal is they want to be the most customer-centric company in the world, hmm. right? And they drill this into your head every single day when you're there, uh, when you're making decisions. And you can see this about how they decide on what's allowed and what's not allowed on their platform. Hmm. So it really comes back down again to the key takeaway. Think about it from the customer's perspective and think about that earlier pick food test that we were talking about. If your 3D render is intentionally trying to mislead people or show a product that's actually better than it is, right? If the 3D render doesn't actually give a good buying experience to the customer and it doesn't look realistic, of course, Amazon's not going to want those on its platform. But if you have 3D renders that actually look really good and do a better job and give a better customer service experience, Amazon's not going to care. In fact, they're probably going to prefer actually showing 3D renders. Anthony, I think this is actually brilliant because when it comes to terms of service on Amazon that are kind of gray, people are not sure, it's not clear. This actually gives everyone listening a guide. When you have terms of service and you're wondering, hmm, is this going to break it or not? Is it kind of on the edge? Is it kind of gray? What do I do? Ask a simple question. Am I putting the customer first? Am I adding value to the customer? Am I putting at risk the chance of a customer being upset at Amazon or at my business. And if you can answer those questions, it's a guide. So if this is going to enrich the customer service, chances are you are in the green light. Absolutely a good point. And I think sellers get confused and they get hung up on this all the time about, hey, I'm pushing the pushing the lines. What's gray area? What's not gray area? It's really not so complicated, right? You really just think of it from the customer's perspective. And that's what the staff is trained to do. Um, so a really good point as well, and, and this is really getting into the basis of 3D renders and why they're so valuable. I think everyone probably has heard of the company IKEA. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that 75% of all of the images, everything that's shown in the IKEA catalog are 3D renders. Are you and serious? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely I, did, I did not know this. I never even, oh my goodness. I said, are you serious? And Siri said, I'm serious. <laughs> 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 go, go to sleep, Siri. Um, I had no idea, Anthony. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and so the, and the reason why they do this and the reason why 3D renders are becoming more and more popular is because 3D renders offer some really distinct advantages over photography. So we're going to walk through each of these, but it really comes down to 
first and foremost visual aesthetic that 3D renders actually have the potential to look better in than actual real life images. Um, it offers the ability for seamless revisions. So with that IKEA catalog, their rationale is once that model's made, right? Once the, the environment for, for where that, that shoot is made, they don't have to go and do a photography lifestyle shoot every single time. Right. They just go into the computer program, they change what they need to change, and then they click render. And the rendering process might take a little bit of time, but it's processing power. It's not actually human capital there. Hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is no physical limitations. And so no physical limitations really comes down to the fact that you don't have to ship the product, right? You don't have to ship it to your photographer. You don't need fancy equipment. Aside from the computer to actually do the rendering, you don't need lights. You don't need a studio space. And again, you really don't need the physical product aside from reference images to actually create the render. So in terms of the, the advantages as well, I mean, it really comes down to it's very fast. Once the model is made, again, making changes is very easy. The cost can sometimes actually be lower. And we're going to walk through some examples, especially getting into more detailed lifestyle uh, scenarios about how the cost can be much lower than normal photography. And then it also offers you just a whole bunch of flexibility. So we're getting into the point of the presentation now. You, you know what 3D renders are, right? You kind of know a little bit of the basis, but now the big question is, how do you actually go about creating 3D renders, right? If you're interested in getting them done for your project. So there's really three main ways that you can create 3D renders. It's either going to be from an STP file, a template, or custom. So an STP file is just short for a step file or an ISO 10303. Uh, basically, for any product that's injection molded, pretty much like think anything that's either assembled by a manufacturer um, or it's an injection molded, it's largely plastic, your manufacturer is most likely already going to have an STP file that they use, right? They're already going to have it. And so if this is the case, you can go and acquire, you can go and obtain that STP file, you can send it over to a 3D artist and very little work is required to actually get that from the STP file to a photorealistic 3D render. Because that was at the, the design stage, right? That's when they designed the product so that they could create the mold through which they inject the molten plastic and then out it pops. Exactly, right? The STP file is really just an assembly file. So even if it's not, even if it's like this microphone, uh, even if it's like this microphone here, mm -hmm. um, and it's not a solid piece of plastic, the STP file is just for the manufacturer to know, hey, how can they actually like put this thing together? And this is cool because most people don't think, they think, oh, well, I need them to take a photo of it for the 3D render, which is fine too. And I'm sure you'll talk about that. But most people don't think, wait, if this is the manufacturer of the product, they have to have this. They had to start with something. How did they get it? Especially if it was plastic in the first place, someone, a product designer had to actually draw it out. So this is really good. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right there. Um, the other option as well is <laughs> the, the really cool thing about renders is, like I said earlier, once the model is made, the model's made, right? And so for actually a lot of products, even if your manufacturer won't give you the STP file or you just have something that's a little bit more custom, um, you can actually go to websites like TurboSquid, 3D Ocean, and there's full libraries out there of 3D render models that you can buy. Hmm. And so a very good example of this is, imagine you're, you've made a product invention and it's like some kind of cover that goes over one of those electronic hoverboards, right? But the product you have is custom. The really cool thing is you could go to a, go through a template and actually get a hoverboard. And then from using that template, the 3D rendering artist can go and overlay and they, they have a, a much better starting point than starting completely from scratch. Hmm. And we'll go through a few examples of this as well. 
The other option, and this is kind of the more expensive option, but I like to show this just for reference that anything is possible. And so custom renders really have unlimited possibilities, right? They could be costly, but it is unlimited. So believe it or not, both of these images, including Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp on the right-hand side, that's not a painting, right? That That's actually a 3D render. Someone built that. Wow. And you can see that that's like the level of, of artistry and, and creativity that you can really get to with 3D renders. It looks just like a painting. It's nuts. Like a really good painting. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to say here is, is make no mistake, right? The future is digital. And the really cool thing about this technology is every year it's getting better and better and better. A lot of people might not realize this until maybe after this presentation or until you start to dive into this field. But when you're watching Star Wars, like when you're watching The Mandalorian or when you're watching Avengers, those aren't real spaceships, right? right? Those are none of that stuff is real. It's all based on digital animation. And previously, that kind of technology was really only accessible to to really high level designers. But every year, it's getting more and more accessible down to normal people uh, that live all around the world that can get this kind of stuff created for you. It's interesting because when CG first came out, people would be critical of it. They'd say, "Oh yeah, it's fake. I don't like it." But the majority of people just kind of accepted, yeah, well, I don't care. As long as it looks real to me, I'm happy. And I'm thinking we can apply the same thing to customers. At the end of the day, they're not sitting there saying, hmm, is this a 3D render? Is it a real photo? What they want to know is, does it look good? Okay. Am I going to get what was promised? Okay. And if I get what was promised, I'm happy. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah. I remember when, when uh, uh, graphics started first coming out from, uh, for animation in movies, people were kind of resistant to it because it felt inauthentic. And now it's sort of like the standard of the day when it comes to anything like a monster. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that, that whole first section was really a framework. I hope that everyone has a better understanding of what 3D renders are. Now we're going to move into some of the strategies. These are the more practical applications and best practices for actually using 3D renders. So first and foremost is that 3D renders are going to work very well with some products and they're going to be a little bit more challenging with other products. And I like to break it down into a dichotomy of either static or dynamic products. And so imagine a static product is something that just sits there, right? No one's touching it. No one's wearing it. No one's interacting with it. You can just place it in an environment and that's it. Um, so a really good example right here is you've got these baby blocks Right? You can Photoshop and put those blocks in a stock photo next to the baby, and you're going to be able to create a really realistic looking image. Versus a dynamic product right here, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get the exact orientation, to make it look natural, and to make it look like a fit. And the dynamic one, guys, is a bib on the baby. So let me make sure I got this right, Anthony. Because it's on the baby's body, it makes it much more difficult versus like the block sitting next to the toddler's body, right? Exactly right. And so and so think of that when you're thinking of, okay, is my product a good candidate? And it's not saying that the dynamic products can't be done. It's just a little bit more difficult. And so think about that when you're thinking about your products. Is my product something that sits on a kitchen counter or is it something that is really being touched? Is it really being interacted? Is it moving a lot? Right. So with 3D renders, creating static products and creating convincing lifestyle for static products is very, very easy. So here we've got a mug, you know, again, this is a mug, it's just sitting on the table, no one's touching it. These, both of these lifestyle images here look quite good, they look quite clean. 3D renders aren't only for creating the product itself, but it's also can create the environment that the product would be sitting in. Mm. And so this is something where there actually is a lot of potential for 3D renders. I think people are becoming more and more aware of this now that 
you know, we're all on Zoom and people are using virtual backgrounds on Zoom. And so some of those look really realistic. And so one of the things that I like to think about in terms of 3D renders are when a factor that's really important when it comes to conversion rate is when someone lands on your listing, do they see themselves in that situation? And so here, all of these are for a product, which is this best ad ever mug, right? And so what's really interesting is they've used the mug and they've placed it in four different environments here, but we're actually able to go through and see which environment actually, if let, let's say I was shopping for the product, maybe I'm, uh, you know, someone's wife, or maybe I'm someone's, you know, some, I'm a daughter and I'm buying this for my dad. Yeah. Um, you can go and look through and actually test and see which is going to best resonate with a customer. And so this is kind of interesting rather than having to duplicate all of these lifestyle shoots and say, Hey, like this, this whole thing would be very expensive to shoot from a lifestyle scenario, right? We've got to get this model who's here in a bed. Then we've got to get this dad with his daughter working in a, in a workshop, you know, the family for the birthday, like this would be insane to go and do. But if you have 3D renders, you can go and try a bunch of different stock images hmm. and then really quickly see, hey, option B, option D, these are the winners. And then even try different uh, different environments from there. So Anthony, just to clarify for the listeners, we have four pictures here. And what Anthony's saying, and tell me if this is correct, Anthony, is instead of getting four different scenarios of photo shoots, for example, father-son eating breakfast, family at the mall, father-daughter in a workshop working on a design, or dad waking up from bed turning off his alarm, instead of having to spend all the money and then wonder, hmm, I which, wonder which one's going to convert the best on Amazon, spending all the money and time, what you're saying is each of these scenarios, we could find a stock photo, then have the coffee mug that's being sold 3D rendered into that photo, that background, and then test those on pickfoot.com slash just one dime so that people can, act, we can actually find out which one converts best and then go from there, correct? Absolutely right. And, and, it, and it makes sense as to why this works. You know, when you're going and you're, let's say you're going to a stock image website like Shutterstock and you're like, I know I want a parent with their kid for my, for my stock photo. When you go and type in, you know, whatever that keyword is, parent and kid, whatever it might be, you're not just going to get one option. You're going to get a ton of options. And so this is just another example of just don't go with the first thing you see. Think about like, and it makes sense why option B probably would be the overall winner here. And I think if we were actually to test option B versus option D, like think about what's going to resonate best with your customer that when someone lands on that listing and they're like, oh my gosh, that's my husband or hmm. that's my wife, that's yeah. my kid. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, that's the one I'm adding. The one that for. they emotionally relate to the most. Bingo. Yeah. So the other thing, this is just a, a huge win, right? If anyone's selling bulky products, use 3D renders for oversized and bulky items, right? We had, when I was running Virtuous Graphics, we'd have a few products like this. Like this, what I'm showing here is garden netting. Like how would you even go and do this in an actual lifestyle shoot? You're going to like go to a nursery and try to <laughs> rent out the thing and say, hey, I need to put my nets over your plants. Like it's never going to happen. <laughs> the Versus doing yeah. this right here with 3D renders actually looks pretty good. It gives an idea of what the product is, but like this would be, and you look at people who are selling these kind of products on Amazon, 
nothing that they're showing looks really good. Usually they're just showing the product on a white background. So 3D renders are a way that you can actually overcome the size of your, the physical size of your product. As well too, you know, 3D renders, if you're selling a larger bulky item, you're selling a stand-up paddleboard, do not just go, you know, if it it doesn't matter where your photographer is, don't go and ship them your stand-up paddleboard. It's going to cost you just a ludicrous amount of money to go and do that. So if you're selling larger bulky items, 3D renders are 100% the way to go. Um, One best practice, though, to think about is to avoid using 3D renders for highly complex or unique items, right? 3D renders will work well for some things, but they're really difficult to make look good for things like fabric, uh, organic geometry. So the pair is kind of a a good example there because it's going to be really uneven. It's going to take a lot of time and work to get that to look realistic or things that have overly complex textures. But the thing, the little caveat there for complex textures is this is getting better and better. In fact, there's entire libraries now that you can actually get cloth and sand and wood grain textures that actually, they have some kind of algorithm that kind of maps different surfaces and these are actually getting better and better. Wow. So product packaging though is, this I feel very confident saying is that anytime you show your product packaging, I almost always am going to recommend using 3D renders. And here's the reason why is if you look at this uh, creatine supplement right here and you look really close, you can tell that this actually isn't real just because there's no imperfections on the packaging, right? It's completely smooth. But think about where you're most likely going to show your product packaging. Like think about it from your main image, right? What you really want to do is when someone's scrolling through those first page of search results, you want them to, you want to catch their eyes and they're not going to be looking at that tiny two or three inch image or even smaller on a mobile display. They're not going to be looking for the imperfections. And in fact, the perfect nature of how good packaging looks really does make a big difference. Same thing too, is even if you have like this irregular shape here for this coconut water, I mean, this just looks so perfect. You're never going to be able to find a photographer that's going to match this perfect glare that it's just going to be absolutely perfect lighting. Is one of the reasons this retail packaging looks so good, Anthony, is because the surface is so smooth. Exactly. Right. Got it. So smooth. So I could say smooth surface items as a general rule look really good on 3D renders. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to get, we're going to show a couple examples as well there. Um, The other thing I'll say is in terms of 3D renders, like think about your product packaging, right? When you print your product packaging, not only does it cost every single time this thing is printed, it's costing you money, but the production timeline for printing your packaging is pretty long, right? And so once you print your packaging, it's not like you can just say, hey, I'm going to pull all of my items out of FBA, repack them, reprint them. Like you can't really easily change your product packaging until you've sold through your inventory. So with that being said, before you actually go and sell your product, before you go and print your product packaging, test different things in terms of the product packaging, even small changes in color here, like going from this light option to the dark option for this Pete Mun mask, you can see how this is getting much more of the votes. And in fact, when Seth was talking earlier about that company that went from two to $20 million in sales, Thrasio, the only change they made there was upgrading their product packaging, right? And so product packaging can make a huge difference just from going your initial design to a better design. And 3D renders can help you visualize that and and they're a good testing ground. What I love about Anthony is this entire conversation and presentation revolves around perceived value. But it's great because if I'm your customer, I need to encounter the product. Well, the only way I can encounter it is with my eyes. You are helping me and our audience understand better how to make retail packaging or product look really good to my eyes. So that will increase the chance that I click on that product, add it to my cart 
and get the sale. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the tie-in as well for 3D renders is a lot of sellers will say, oh, well, I can't test my packaging until I physically have it made. And that's not true, right? You can just send your die cut, the two-dimensional representation of the product. You can just send that over to a 3D rendering artist, have them make a really quick mock-up. And then before you actually say go and print this packaging, you definitely want to test it first. It's going to save you a lot of headaches later down the road. Uh, this is just another example as well, you know, different versions of this immune support supplement. You know, this is a really interesting case study and these are all 3D renders here, but what I like to emphasize is again, just the small changes in terms of your packaging, right? I'm gonna explain why this actually won. Um, people first and foremost, when, when it came down to the design, they liked the list format versus the block format. Like this would be a small, small change. Like if my creative team only sent me option C, I'd be like, that looks fine. Mm -hmm. But then you compare it to option A and option B, the feedback from the pick through test was that they like list format. But the reason option A was the overall winner is because what customers were saying is that they said, I already know this is an immune support supplement. What they really wanted to see front and center on the product packaging is they wanted to see the things that they, they thought would be included in an immune mm -hmm. support supplement. So things like zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D3. And so again, if they would have went and printed option C, and this is their, they, they know that immune support supplement is selling well. They're like, this is the product I'm going to sell. This option A, they would have never even known that this is the option that they should go with unless they would have done this kind of testing. So again, you can really save yourself a lot of headache on the back end and save, you know, increase your sales. For everyone listening, he's sh Anthony's showing three pictures. They're all immune support supplement vitamins or supplements. And the option C that won, that lost the contest on pickfood.com shows four different little squares. And each of them say like protection, boost, healthier, increased. But the other ones, the other two other supplement bottles show a list of either the benefits or what is included in it. So just to give you guys a visual who are using your imagination right now, the lists went out over the other ones. How would we have known that? And I agree, Anthony, if I'd seen option C, I would have said it looks great. But there's no possible way we could have known that unless we tested it on your website where people could actually go and say, hmm, I like this one better. And boom, that means more sales. For sure. Okay, so just a few more applications here. So in terms of um, like where 3D rendering 100% makes sense is if you have high volume variations, right? And so imagine you're selling cell phone cases and you're saying, hey, I'm going to put out some different color variations. You know, no need to go and photograph each different color variation. Just have the model done and you can go and create that easily. Um, when I was at Prosper Show as well, I met a guy who was selling plumbing parts. And I think what he was telling me is across his storefront, was something like 500 unique ASINs. And so like, that would be insane to go and shoot with, uh, you know, just in a normal <laughs> photography standpoint, yeah. but 3D rendering makes that kind of stuff very, very easy and cost-effective. Um, this is one that I really, really love. And that is use 3D renders to place your products on a simulated shelf. So we've got some diapers here or some, uh, some baby wipes here. And then we've also got some vitamin C serum. I've seen this done incredibly well with supplements. And so what people will do is they have a couple different uh, variations of their supplement or different types. And then they go and create a simulated shelf that looks like it's on the shelf of a GNC. And they put that in their lifestyle images. And that is just absolutely mm. next level stuff. And it's really easy to do with 3D renders. Because it implies authority. It implies, hmm, without saying it, that this is the kind of product you might find in a GNC store or a Target. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. Um, 
As well, we, we already talked about this, and this is where I'm going to show some visual examples, but 3D renders for pretty much any smooth, hard surface is going to look really good. As well, anything that has a metallic or a reflective surface, 3D renders are really going to look a lot better. So we've got some sunglasses here. Uh, we've got some ornaments. When I live in Manila, where I live, there's a Rolex store and they have a huge screen and uh, it's just showing pictures of the Rolex. And I didn't realize until recently that they're all 3D renders. And so think about this, right? If Rolex, someone who's selling like $30,000 watches is using 3D renders because it looks better than a photo, there's probably some application for normal. It's probably a good well. sign. We should listen. <laughs> uh, as well, this is really great is if you want to show a 3D exploded view of the product, this is really great in terms of infographics. I mean, you might be selling the same fidget spinner as everyone else, but if I show the exploded graphic and it's like, here's what the ball bearings look like and you know the internal components, especially if you have a technological product, this can be a really good way for your lifestyle or infographics as well. Um, yeah, so this is a really good tip that not a lot of people know about is use 3D renders for your product videos. Um, so you can do a nice little 360 spin, but what a lot of people don't know is that when you're selling on Amazon, most people know about images, right? Right. Most people know about videos, but if you're a vendor or if you have a dedicated account manager, you, you can actually put a 360 view, view on yeah. your Amazon listing. Yeah. And this does a really good job of increasing your conversion rate. So that's a helpful little hack. And it's not hard for the 3D render creator to do, right? Because they have to do a 3D render of all angles. That's like where the most time and money is spent. And then they can do multiple different pictures. So they already have all sides because it is a 3D render. Yep. It's just an extra processing time. They might charge you a nominal fee for it, but right. it's no more work on their end. They just click render and then it has to you know, create that 360 view. Um, this is also really cool, a really cool application. So you can actually use HDRI maps. So this is just like a, a camera essentially that you know, creates a, an accurate light map of, of, a, of a photo. And so what's really cool is you can actually place a 3D object almost perfectly into a real environment. So this is a real photo. And what you're going to see here is this is a model from a, from a template of a Tesla, right? And so we've got just a normal photo, we've got a 3D model, and then bam, you can hmm. place that in a 3D environment. Hmm. And then you can actually test to, if you want to put in a different type of Tesla, if you want to put in whatever you want, and it's going to perfectly match the light settings. And uh, again, to place your product into a real 3D environment. For those of you guys listening, I understand it puts you at a disadvantage to not be able to see this. So here's what I'm going to say. Go to youtube.com slash Seth Kniep, youtube.com slash Seth, S-E-T-H-K-N as in Nancy, I-E-P as in Paul.com. And you can see the entire video of this. Back to you, Anthony. All right. So yeah, there's some cool Teslas um, as well. What I like is, you know, just these are some some last minute tips is use 3D renders. I love giftable items, but uh, try to, if you can, like I was saying earlier, go through different versions of the stock images. And again, if you get a, a really high quality stock image, you can put 3D renders in there to show these giftable items and let people visualize it. Um, as well, too, is if you're doing 3D renders, you know, make sure they're done correctly. And so like the reason this image looks so good is because it's really maintaining the scale, right? There's a lot of these subconscious things that go on in your brain in terms of believability. And so really work with an artist that knows what they're doing um, and you'll be able to get good renders. Uh, the other thing as well is we're talking a lot about perfections, but a lot of what comes down to actually a 3D render looking very realistic is for adding subtle mistakes. And so again, if you've got products that like intentionally have certain flaws in it, make sure that they're actually 
highlighted and make sure that they're actually accurate. Because like these ice cubes, you might be able to tell that they're not real. Like this calculator, you might be able to tell it's not real because it's almost too perfect. That's interesting. That's real. I would not have thought of that. Okay. So this is kind of the end of the presentation. I'm going to walk you guys through. These are the concepts. These aren't necessarily things that you want to implement into your business, but these are things that hopefully are a little bit future thinking and, and maybe give you some inspiration in terms of 3D renders. So first and foremost is use 3D renders to launch new products uh, and get feedback prior to manufacturing. So let's say you're selling a product that's doing well and you're like, I'm going to put out a variation or I want to make a, a change to my product design. If you've got already got a good mini chat sequence, if you're thinking about launching a product on Kickstarter, don't go and get the products made right off the bat. Go and get a 3D render done. Go out to your audience and say, hey, what do you think about this before doubling down and spending a ton of money and potentially wasting your time going down a, a bad rabbit hole? Another thing that's really cool, this already exists on Shopify. I anticipate that it's going to come to Amazon, is explore the use of augmented reality with 3D renders. So believe it or not, Shopify already has a plugin that is on their platform that if you're selling furniture items, if you're selling different things, you can just take up your smartphone and you can just from your Shopify store, you can actually place those into a real environment and see if these things fit. Again, this is just cool future thinking stuff. Um, the other thing that I really like thinking about doing, especially if you're selling a more expensive or a premium product, is use 3D renders to blend a real and digital world together. And so these are things that, again, these aren't necessarily a functional depiction of your product, but it's when someone lands on your listing, they're like, holy cow, like no of the other competitors are doing it. And it's really going to make you stand out. Hmm. So like we've all seen the Tony Stark with the Iron Man stuff here, who can really get some cool effects similar to that. Um, but I really like this picture of the 3D rendering watch. I mean, you might be selling a watch and this is not a functional depiction of your product, but it just looks cool. Yeah. Right? It looks like something you'd see in a magazine. This is a really good as well. It's like use virtual elements to suspend reality in creative ways. And so this is actually for a Bose uh, wireless Bluetooth speaker. But imagine this, right? Like this, look how futuristic this image looks. And so think about like, you could never actually create this. This is obviously not a real world scenario, but if you're selling a Bluetooth speaker and every other seller is selling a Bluetooth speaker and just one of your lifestyle images is this really futuristic garden looking scene of someone enjoying the speaker, right? And someone lands on your listing, which do you think they're going to they're going to pick, right? If people are worried about, I'm not, I don't want to buy this from like a random Chinese manufacturer that's going to jip me of my money. What's going to help your brand look more reputable? Um, as well too, and this is actually kind of timely with COVID is that, you know, getting any kind of model in a 3D render is pretty difficult because phases are difficult to simulate. But uh, just one thing that I've been seeing more and more is that if you use a faceless render or potentially someone wearing a mask or a visor, you can actually do pretty convincing lifestyle shots hmm. that if you if you have like a fashion product or just you know different products like accessory products, you can just cover up the face of the model and actually create really realistic lifestyle scenes. Is that because the eyes are difficult to recreate and make them realistic? It's just, yeah, and we're used to looking at people's faces. So our brains are naturally very critical Interesting. Of, 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 of rendered images that, that, are, makes that sense. are not faces. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say is experiment with, you know, kind of mixing virtual and real backgrounds. So like this phone here is a 3D render on a real, uh, they've, they've done real photography on the foreground of just putting the props in. Same thing with the straws. Like this is a real image, but they're just putting the straw in there. Um, there's some cool things you can do with this, like just really monochromatic scenarios where it's like you're matching the background to the color of the product, just different tricky things like that really can look very classy and very simple. 
Um, actually, I think I have a couple more examples. Yeah. So the other thing I'll say is this is more of an off Amazon example is you can actually, and I've seen this done really well on different websites is they have a 3D environment and then the website actually makes micro adjustments based on the time of day. So when you come to the website and it's showing the product, it'll actually be different at dusk and dawn. Right. Again, it's something that's really small, but it's uh, maybe something that the customer won't even notice. But if you're building a big brand and you're already doing quite well, this is something to consider. So in other words, if I go to the website, the e-commerce website in the evening, the picture will show the picture of the couch in the evening. If I go to the website at high noon, then it'll show the sun will be high above in the picture, correct? Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon includes this um, in, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's it's those small, subtle hints, but it does make a difference to the customer in the end. Hmm. The other thing I'll say is we're getting to the holidays right now, right? Uh, Halloween's right around the corner. We've got Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas, all of the different Christmas holidays. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is think about think about this, right? Think about if you're selling a product and it's actually a giftable item that if you created like a kitchen environment and then you had, let's think, of, let's go back to the example of the Bluetooth speaker that when you get closer to Halloween, right? Or when you get closer to the fall, the environment's actually going to change, right? And your listing photos are actually going to change to match the holidays. I've seen some really good execution of people doing this around Christmas. And again, someone's getting into the listing and something just feels more natural. They're like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about my family getting together for the holidays and having a Bluetooth speaker that everyone's going to be able to enjoy the music. But now that they see it there, they're not going to know why they click add to cart, but there's just these little subtle hints that you can add in that really do make an impact. Um, the last thing, I, th I think this is the real last thing I'll say is that if you can match your model to your target audience using kind of augmented accessories. So there's a lot that you can do here with like, even if you go through a real lifestyle shoot, you can use 3D accessories for doing things like adding uh, glasses, also adding age, facial hair. So maybe you shot with a younger model, but you're trying to reach a older demographic. Hmm. That's something that you can consider as well. So with that being said, that's kind of the end of the presentation. Here's where I will wrap it up. I do want to give a huge shout out to a really good friend of mine named Corey Rose. He has a company called Fade Visuals. He was really helpful in putting together this presentation and really let me pick his brain on everything regarding 3D renders. So if anyone is interested in renders, I'd, I'd recommend giving them, a, giving them a look. They're definitely uh, really probably like the best I've come around. Hmm. Um, then I'm just going to give a real quick explanation for those of you who don't know what is PicFu. Um, and simply stated, PicFu is just a really easy and fast way for business owners, especially e-commerce sellers, to get real access to customer data really fast. And so the really cool thing is, you know, a lot of us that are selling products online, we're not generally our target audience, right? I know a lot of guys that sell products that are specifically designed for females or young people selling products for older people. What's really cool about PicFu is you can actually pick a targeted audience. So not just by things like gender, age range, income, ethnicity, but you can actually pick down to hobbies, right? You can see if you can test only people that have an Amazon Prime subscription or only people that are pet owners or only people that work out a lot. Um, the other thing that's really, really unique about PicFu is unlike a normal A-B test, which number one, you have to have an audience for, uh, but number two, they take a long time. They might take two or four weeks for that test to actually complete. A PicFu test is going to be done in like 30 minutes to an hour. So it's really, really fast. And then what I love the most is that PicFu is all about detailed responses. So like we saw some examples today, you guys were seeing kind of what was the winner. I don't really care so much that option B gets 56% of the votes and this gets 18 I don't care so much about that. What I care about is the detailed feedback. And so 
everyone that votes on your PICFU poll is required to give you a detailed explanation as to why they actually chose that answer. So what I'll say is like, if you're not quite sure if consumer feedback is, is a valid you know, use case for your business, I'll say, don't take my word for it. There's this little company that you might've heard of called Terrasio. They're the fastest profitable company to reach unicorn status, a billion dollar valuation. And we did a really cool case study with them all about how they took this brand Angry Orange from this product packaging to this product packaging. Um, and just that change, they grew that brand from two to $20 million. And so we've got a really good video on our YouTube channel. It's only four minutes long, but you'll see their VP of creative and brand strategy talk about how they use PicFu in every major creative decision that they make. So again, decide for yourself. It's a pretty valuable tool. I'll tell you that the best in the industry are certainly using it to make better decisions. And with that being said, if you haven't used PicFu, I highly recommend go and check out, uh, if you go to pickfu.com slash just one dime, or you use the code just one dime, you'll get 50% off of your first test. And so that's as little as $25 for your first test, which is pretty cheap to get really good insights. What I like about it, Anthony, is not only does it save you money, but it saves you time as well by doing this in advance before the products show up at Amazon's Fulfillment Center, even before you've manufactured them. So it's an opportunity to test. You know, we live in the world of tests. We have to test stuff to know if it works. We can't just say, oh, I'm going to blindly run into this and see if it works. One of my first strategies on Amazon way back in the day is I would just send in 10 different products that were arbitraging. And if the ones that sell within the first week, oh, that's a winner. That was how I tested it. Terrible way to do it. But I was due. <laughs> you had to give well, me it worked try. back then too. It did work. It did work. It, it, <laughs> gave, it gave us momentum and it started figuring out what works and what doesn't. What you're saying is from my laptop, I can do all of that. From my laptop, I can do everything. Communicate with the supplier, get the step file, uh, get the, uh, the, the photography of the picture if I need it. Like whatever I need to do, I can simply do it here before I have any products m manufactured or moved from one place to another. And I love that. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. So guys, listening to this, P-I-C-K-F-U.com slash just one dime or use just one dime as a coupon code. Can they go to pickfoo.com? and slash just one dime and use just one dime as a coupon code from there? Either or, yeah. So, and actually if they land on your page, uh, you know, everything is all tracked, but they can click on that page and they'll be like, you know, you just click the button or they can use just one dime as a coupon code. Either works. Okay, awesome. So yes, we are affiliates. We're proud affiliates at PickFu. <laughs> um, but I want you guys to know this, it works. PickFu works. And there's a reason there's people like myself and other Amazon sellers on their website because we've seen how it works. So Anthony, what before we close this out, just give us the audience any last piece of wisdom or advice in light of your journey. I want to just back up a minute. So we've gone deep on PickFu. You went from working for Amazon. Now you, then you built a company, had an exit, and now you're working with another company. What advice would you give to people who are afraid to take that first step? What I would tell people is that you know, for me, I, I had traveled to a bunch of different places all around the world and yeah. spent a lot of time in third world countries. And the thing that really clicked for me when I, when I quit my job at Amazon is I remember talking to my parents and I said, hey, I'm quitting my job at Amazon. I'm a college dropout. You know, so obviously they weren't, you know, they weren't thrilled at that. Like I already got a job <laughs> at Amazon. So they're like, well, you know, you have this good job. And the thing that always clicked for me is I said, hey, if I totally screw up, can I come back and live in the basement? And they're like, yeah, sure. The thing that I would really recommend to people is just people don't realize how lucky we are 
just being born in the United States, yes. how much of an advantage that is. Yes. And so like, I have friends, very close friends of mine that like, if they would try what I did and they would fail, they have to, like, I don't have to go back and live in a place that has a dirt floor right. and a metal roof. Like right. the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to go back and get a job. Yeah. And so what I would say is if there's one thing that I think that's allowed me to be successful in this life, and based on what I know, your story as well, it's risk tolerance, right? Yeah. You have to be able to put it all out there. Um, and the worst thing that's going to happen is like, you know, you're just going to fail and you're going to figure and it out. And you learned something and you became more courageous and you realize, Oh, I can fail and get up again. I can fall and get up again. It didn't kill me. I'm alive. Like one of my, my favorite concepts is when you're having a really bad day, just write down on a piece of paper, am I alive? And if the answer is yes, you're blessed. <laughs> like seriously, and anything up from there is an extra blessing. Anything up from there. So thank you, Anthony, so much for being here today. Guys, go to PICKFU.com slash just one dime. If you want to watch the video version of this, go to youtube.com slash Seth, S-E-T-H, Kniep, K and as in Nancy, I-E-P as in Peter. Anthony, have an awesome rest of your day. And thank you again, man. Thanks so much, Seth. This has been fun. 